We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, Jesse, you're here. Are you ready for rapid fire? Yeah, I thought you were gonna ask me about Nick Saban, but I am. Well, uh... we'll still we'll get into it here. You know, let's just start it off since that's what we've been doing. We've been doing a lot of Nick Saban talk and everything else. Rapid fire. What do you think of the news of the day? Nick Saban retiring after 17 years and six national championships at Alabama and a seventh title when you factor in what he did at LSU as well. Yeah, I mean, I think overall the the number one superlative that comes to mind is just shocking. Um, and I say shocking just because I just there, there was no rumors about it. There wasn't any expectation about it. But then when you sit back and think about it, I guess I didn't expect him to go out this way, but I kind of figured it might be coming soon. And the reason I say that is because of the portal and the current NIL situation, because Nick Saban built his empire. He was the Roman empire, right? In terms of college football, he had the recruits. He had them consistently coming in. He was churning out national championships, playoffs, appearances, you know, whatever it might be. And then they introduced the portal and the NIL and it really put him back to square run, square one, right? Cause it leveled the playing field it was no longer about Saban could just get every recruit. And once one guy graduated, it was just the next five star stepping in after him. Didn't have the depth anymore. Right. And so if I'm Nick Saban and I've gotten to the peak of the mountain and then they introduce this NIL and portal and I got to go back to square one, I'm just going to say the hell with it and get out of here. Right. Like <laughs> why start over again when you were already at the top of the mountain, it just doesn't make sense for Nick Saban anymore. And so, I mean, we saw it early on when he was getting frustrated in the, in the interviews talking about um, what's his name down at Texas A&M that just got let go Jimbo Fisher. Right. And so it was already, you could tell it was already bothering him or it was already agitating him. And again, when you're at the top of the mountain and you've got the recruits stacked up, you've built your dynasty, you've built your empire. And then slowly it starts cracking brick by brick with the NIL and the transfer portal. Why would you go back to square one? He already, went up that mountain he's 73 years old you know I don't think he's got the he's no longer fit to go back up that mountain yes sliced bread DK sliced bread yes that was uh one of the quotes of uh of the millennium I think so far but yeah no you're exactly right you know look like 
with everything that Nick Saban has done, and I think what you know, like there's an argument that this season getting to the playoffs, especially when you consider the the miracle against Auburn, that this could be considered one of the best coaching jobs that Nick Saban has ever done. You know, just just what he did this year, getting to the playoffs with Jalen Milrow as the quarterback after what they went through, you know, coming into the season, trying to figure out one, who the quarterback was even going to be. And, you know, again, like winning what they won with him as the quarterback. I think that there's a real case for this as his best coaching job, but, you know, again, like to kind of go back through the resume, he won seven games in year one, and then he proceeded to win at least 10 games in 16 consecutive years to close out his career where he won six national championships. And as I've said a couple different times, Alabama, before Nick Saban, they went from 1972 through 2005 with a total of 16 double-digit win seasons. And then he did it 16 years in a row to close his you know career at Alabama. So it's amazing. So again, I don't think it's a slam dunk that whoever takes over this job at Alabama, with very few exceptions, like if it happened to be a Kirby Smart or whatever, very few exceptions, I don't think that you can just assume that whoever gets this job is going to continue yeah. to win at the same kind You're of clip. You're not going to pick up Nick where Saban it's left at. off at this yeah. point. Yeah. I mean, like Bill Belichick couldn't even keep his own clip up, you know, without <laughs> – Tom you know, Brady is his quarterback. It's crazy because, you know, I, I obviously everyone is already talking about, you know, potential candidates, candidates, candidates. Well, I'm going to be frankly honest with you. If I'm a candidate, what makes Alabama appealing in the current landscape of college football? It is already hard enough with the portal and the NIL. You have to go with where you are establishing roots at. It's not just a you can go someplace and just take over and continue to win, right? Like, I would be more comfortable, for example, like someone like Marcus Freeman, somewhere where I've already got myself established in and I've work, been working and churning this thing out for a year or two, mm -hmm. then just pick it up and go to Alabama because Alabama isn't the Alabama anymore. You're not just going to get recruits because your name is Alabama, right? Like that's part of the reason why Saban left. And so these coaches, I get it, it's Alabama, but I don't think it's going to be Alabama that, that Saban built up. It's it's not you, – you can't just go over there and take over like you used to. I would be more comfortable – at a place in the current landscape because of how much parity there is year to year in college football with being somewhere where I've established my program for a few years. No, exactly. And to the, you know, again, we talked about this at the start of the show, but I know we've got new people kind of jumping in. There was the Pete Thamel, Pete, of course, one of the reporters from ESPN who included Marcus Freeman on his list of potential projected targets, Dan Lanning, Kalen DeBoer, Dabo Sweeney, James Franklin, Mike Noburro, Marcus Freeman as well. You know, I just, am I going to say never? No, I'm not going to say never, but I just don't think that that job is that much more attractive than the situation that he has now. And when you look at the fact, again, as we said earlier, do you really want to be the guy following Nick Saban, especially where all the <laughs> expectations are yeah. right now? There are high expectations at Notre Dame, and they haven't won a national championship since 1988. Nick Saban is leaving with six national championships and just a handful of years removed from his last win, and all the double-digit wins that we talked about. 
the bar is set considerably higher there. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be the guy who's following Nick Saban in that. Nothing's ever going to be a win there. Yeah. Other than winning a national championship right out of the gate. That is, that is it. But then the thing is, if and you as win you said, one... like NIL and the transfer portal have leveled the playing field so much that, you know, again, we'll find out when Nick Saban holds his press conference or, you know, does whatever and, and, you know, actually comes out and says, you know, Michael Hahn, yes, Ray Perkins, you're exactly right. Like we'll, we'll find out, you know, what Nick Saban says about why, He's leaving, but you have to think that between his age, how long he's done it, the success that he has had doing it, and what college football has become with all these things that are working against him now, I I think I think with Saban gone, this is really going to level the playing field. Like yeah. I was saying before, I I would I, if I'm Sark at Texas and I'm going into the SEC, I'm feeling really good about where I am now after just going to the playoffs and going into the SEC without Nick Saban. I'm feeling much better about my chances Every SEC today coach than I was a couple feel of some, days some ago. bit of relief, you know, like yeah. Mizzou should feel good. Uh, Ole Miss should feel good. LSU should feel good. Some of those teams that have been right on the brink for, you know, the last couple of years, but couldn't get over that Alabama hump. I mean, I just I, I feel like you gotta that's a sigh of relief for literally every coach in the SEC. <laughs> We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, Tommy Gunn says, not sure if Thamel is the guy I'd call clueless. I mean, he's not clueless. He's he's doing what everybody does when a job like this comes open. You start throwing some big names. Yeah, I mean, you start and Marcus Freeman makes sense because of of what he has done so far. You know, Marcus Freeman has shown him. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm. Yeah, specifically in recruiting because he still has to prove himself as a head coach, but the recruiting aspect makes him a candidate. For any high-profile job, well, I think another element of this job. is like Nick Saban's no uh, young, young spring chicken anymore. This man's seventy-three years old, right? And I just I was thinking about, I was like, well, my grandpa's seventy-seven, <laughs> and Nick Saban's seventy-three, right? Like he's no, he like he's going to be getting close to the eighties here pretty soon, right? Like if he stuck around a couple more years, and it's just. At some point, you got to give it up and, and go enjoy. You know, everyone's talking about that home he bought for X amount of money, and it's an island or whatever. But like, 
at some point you got to be able to enjoy the fruits of your labor. And I think it's, he, he found that this is the perfect time for him to, to, to call it quits, to find, you know, to get out essentially. By the way, Tommy, not happy that we ended the mailbag and segued into rapid fire. He said, you did what? Three questions. We did more than three questions. We did at least three times that many questions, but don't forget, even though it's, you know, it's rapid fire, we still, you know, we still take listener viewer questions in rapid fire, right? Jess, like we still, we still address them in rapid fire. So if you've got more questions to come, get them in there, make it happen. We can include them. We haven't had a chance to talk about this yet. Fill in the blank. Adding Rod Hurd from Northwestern means blank for Notre Dame's 2024 secondary. Uh, it means a massive upgrade in the Notre Dame secondary because I think it's going to, you know, he predominantly plays in the nickel. Um, I think Clark, the transfer from Arizona State, is ultimately going to be the guy in the nickel. And I think I think Hurd's going to be the safety playing next to Xavier Watts next season, most likely. Um, and I think those duo together is just going to bolster an already good defense and elite secondary. So I just, it's, it's just, it's just like putting the cherry on top continuously. And it, to me, it's just hats off again. I can't say enough about Marcus Freeman and that man's been a dog in this portal. He's gotten everything that he's needed. Um, and he's been a man on a mission and he's just been tearing it up big time. And I, I think you're absolutely right. And they've got, They've got both depth and front end type guys that there's, you know, because like you said, you know, you're bringing in Jordan Clark as well. Whether or not he ends up being the guy or whether it ends up being Jaden Mickey, I think that's a question. But, uh, you know, spring football is, <laughs> when you think about it, it's really not that far away, maybe in the six, six weeks, six, seven weeks away, something like that. So I, I think it's really exciting because it was already a great defense and they were able to keep. Xavier Watts, and now you bring in a guy like Hurd, who, you know, like you said, we expect to see play back there at the back end and maybe even kind of see what he can do from a nickel standpoint as well in the spring anyway, just to see how he compares to, to both Mickey and Jordan Clark as well. So they've addressed some immediate needs, and Rod Hurd is going to be a big part of that, I think. So very exciting to uh, – to see i like this business. northwestern notre dame relationship it's it's been very <laughs> beneficial before no it's seriously because these guys are it's very similar the academic rigor mm -hmm. uh you know you're getting a, an intelligent and you know athletic well-rounded player i mean we had that they had ben Skronik. he ended up going to the nfl um and then they had another secondary guy a couple years ago that also came over from northwestern who i can't think of at the moment um and now you add you know this guy so i I, I continue to like this relationship with Northwestern. <laughs> yes, I concur. Scale of one to 10, how nervous are you about the possibility of Al Golden going back to the NFL now that the NFL's regular season is over? Yeah, so when I think about this one, um, you know, five out of 10 is 50-50, so a toss-up. I have better feeling than just a toss-up, so I think it's going to be – I would put this around a two – um, or a three. I just don't know. Yeah, Brandon Joseph, that's the guy. Thank you, T-Guns. Um, I just don't know who his connections are in terms of guys potentially being interviewed uh, for possible positions, right? Because whoever gets hired has to have connections to Al Golden or have some sort of relation to Al Golden being, this is a guy I want to bring my defensive coordinator into. And while Notre Dame has had a good year as a defensive coordinator, they're still at the college level and I still think there were a couple of defenses better than him um, this season, you know, like Michigan, 
Georgia, those types of defense. I think, you know, I, I just don't think that Al Golden's name is at the top of the list. And then again, you have to consider who his connections are potentially in these open or vacant positions um, going forward. So, you know, I just feel like if, if that were the, the real intention, there'd be more rumblings about it at this point and about him in the NFL. The only thing I'm more so worried about was him jumping to within the college realms. Yeah. Like, again, we talked about this a little bit in the mailbag. I think it was a Tommy Gunn's question, actually. And I think and if, if he goes to the NFL, it's going to be a coordinator. Yes. Like, if, you, if you're going to leave to take another college job, it's going to be to become coach. a head coach. And there are seven vacancies right now in the NFL. This was a down year for the Bengals where he had his last roots in the NFL, you know? So like you don't see a whole lot of guys kind of falling off that Zach Taylor tree right now. I mean, Taylor has been, you know, now granted, you know, Joe Burrow was hurt and all that kind of stuff. So I'm not knocking Zach Taylor by any means. I felt like they competed really well with Jake Browning as the quarterback and Jake Browning competed very well in, in, you know, in terms of his girlfriend, the bodysuit and the whole thing, you know, like things worked out really well for Jake Browning as it turned out. But uh, um, my point is, I think it's going to be kind of wait and see it, just in terms of what happens, because there are so many openings right now, so many head coaching openings in the NFL. And he did just put together one of the best defenses in college football this year. So I would put it you know, like at a six, I'm not super worried. I'm a little bit more worried than where you are right now. I, I, you know, I think, I think he'll be okay. But again, it's like who ends up being in these jobs and what kind of potential connection they might have to Al Golden. Well, I and I think another thing question. is, you know, on paper, yes, Notre Dame has had a good uh, defense, but their defense hasn't been put on the national spotlight. Right. And so I think, if you're Al Golden and Marcus Freeman, this is still the accumulation of building up. It just reminds me so much of what Michigan just did, right? Like piecing this together over a couple years, a few years. It feels like that's what you know Marcus Freeman and Al Golden are doing. It's like, okay, now we got the, the defense ready. Now, you know, the offense is taking a step in this direction. And so once Notre Dame's as a team performs on a national uh, spotlight, a.k.a. like the playoffs next year, and Notre Dame's defense then performs well, I think then you get That's more That's when spotlight. he's going to be in even bigger demand. Right, yeah. because you're going to be on the national stage. Him or stage. anybody on this staff. Yeah. Right, you're going to be on the national stage. More people, more eyeballs are going to be on you. And if you perform well at that level, that's when you're going to start to get even more interest. I just don't know how much interest that they have peaked, you know, beating North Carolina State, beating uh, Duke, beating Stanford. I just don't see that as a big enough spotlight yet on this program and coaching staff to have enough national attention. Don't disagree. Andre, how will this coaching retirement change the landscape of college football? I presume he's talking about Nick Saban. Who will want to take the job after a living legend? I would not I, want to. <laughs> I would not want to follow. I think you're like going to see a trend of a lot of younger coaches. because I think it's going to take a lot more work and, and coaches who are eager and hungry uh, to work harder in the recruiting trail, honestly, because that's what it's going to come down to with this transfer pullers. is you're going to have to work even harder in the recruiting trail. So I, I think you're going to see a, a trend of some of these, you know, what's the like pension guys getting, getting, you know, seeing their way out of college football potentially. And you're going to see a, a wave or trend of younger coaches. Cause again, it's, you're introducing a new style and landscape into football. And so when these younger guys are coming in, that's all they know, right? And so these older guys have experienced, you know, the past 
And now they're trying to adjust to the now or the current. And they're just going to say the hell with it. I'm done with this. I don't want this. You know, I'm, I'm in the back half of my career. I've already put in my time. And so I think, again, you're going to see a more common trend of younger coaches. And I mean, you're kind of seeing that right now, just with, with like some of these guys who are having a lot of success in the cut, you know, just look at Marcus Freeman as an example. I mean, Harbaugh is not that old. Harbaugh is probably a little bit older than Saban was. We were talking about that. Saban was like in the 55 year old range when he took the job at, uh, at Alabama. And you're seeing guys that age and younger having a lot of success right now in college football. Someone just put in the chat, Logan Diggs officially committed to Ole Miss. Interesting. Makes sense because that yeah. Judkins kid just went to Ohio State. Yeah. Isn't yep. that crazy, though? That guy was the leading back in the SEC, the prominent back in that offense, and he's still going to Ohio State where they have Travion Henderson. Well, that and, uh, you know, apparently uh, he thought he was supposed to have some input on how the offense I heard about was that. run he, there. He kind of went into the office and said, you know, this is this is how I think the offense should be run. Which is like, that is NFL level stuff man like for a player to walk into the head coach and say oh, coach you know i'm not really digging how you're running these plays this is how i think it ought to be i don't know if you follow lane kiffin on twitter at all but he's a he's a I funny do. follow and he quote tweeted judkins announcement and judkins mother basically responding uh to the to the commitment as well. And I'm always like, is this a troll job or is he genuinely happy? You know, you never know. You never know with, <laughs> with Kiffin, if it is a troll or, or, you well, know, and everyone's, exactly. yeah, I know it's about the money, but still you're the lead back in the best conference in football. I, I don't like that's, that's to me, that's more important than money, <laughs> but you know, and it's like, how much, how much difference in money are we talking about? Like, you know, 1.5 compared to 1.2 million. Like, yeah. I don't know. I just think there's more to be said about being the best running back in the best conference in football. Yeah. So that's just me, though. Well, I mean, there's going to be an argument about what the best conference is now with teams like Oregon and Washington and USC and UCLA jumping over to the Big Ten next year. Jesse, I don't know if you remember Kahanu Kia, but he was a freshman two years ago when Marcus Freeman was still defensive coordinator. At Notre Dame, he has been on a Mormon mission and he's going to be returning to Notre Dame now. And Marcus Freeman was asked about Kahanu Kia. Uh, it's been a few weeks back. I've been actually kind of I've, I've had this and we've had like so much other big news keep coming up. We haven't had a chance to talk about it. But here's what Freeman had to say about the return of Kahanu Kia. I'm excited. I mean, I love my one year with Kahanu. Um, you know, he played linebacker for part of the year and then moved to Viper part of the year. But um, to get him back uh, in this program, um, the energy, the production, uh, the physicality that he plays with, I'm excited to see. You know, he hasn't played football for a year and a half, two years. So we understand that. But but that was an agreement that we had when he told us he was going to go on this mission. And so uh, um, I, I bet you we get a, a more mature individual um and uh, i'm excited to see what he does when he gets back so just what should our expectations be for a guy like kahano kia who's <laughs> been away from football for two years as he makes this return to the notre dame football program yeah i think that you should have kind of low expectations i think it, you, you have to have grace 
um, and, and and expect kind of a rebuild in terms of getting back into ultimate football shape because you know I'm not going to sit up here and act like I know a lot about uh, Mormon missions, um, but it, I mean it's a serious commitment and it's a it's a serious lifestyle change. Um, and the, the only thing that I worry about potentially is what is his physical kind of condition? Did he lose right. weight? Is he not as bulked up anymore? Was he doing any sort of lifting, working out, running? You know what I mean? Like, because when you're on these more missions, it's, it's a, again, it's a lot, it's a big co- time commitment. You're devoting a lot of your time to, it's not like you're staying in Marriott's, you know, correct. You're in and South so it's America just like doing this stuff. What, what sort of stuff did he do beyond the Mormon mission? Did he still devote time to trying to get, you know, workout in? Was he still, you know, potentially and how much workout can you get in? There's right. like only so much you can do, I think. And so then also, are you doing anything like, and, and I, again, I'm, I don't think so, but are you doing anything film wise? Like, are you looking at anything X's and O's? And so there's going to be, um, again, a, a kind of a rebuild back or transition back into um, football. But I think the positive side that you can look at this is this is now more mature men. You're getting a guy who's two years older. You're getting a guy who, you know, if he stays his whole time at Notre Dame, he's going to be, a, you know, a fourth year potential senior that's two years older than everyone. So he's going to have the frame to be more, you know, dominant and mature. And I think he can definitely provide depth at the outside linebacker slash Viper position, specifically the Viper position that is kind of not the, not the hole in the defense. Just, I don't think anyone knows the direction of where that position is kind of headed going forward. Yeah. I mean, this was a three-star guy coming out of high school, you know, so there was, you know, sort of raw, a little bit of a project anyway, but I mean, like I remember, like being in high school, it's like we had, you know, like summer weights, but not near, you know, and again, this was high school, not near the kind of like off-season conditioning that even high school kids have right now. And like, so when we came back to practice, you know, at the, at, at the beginning of practices in August, it was like, boom, it hit you like a brick wall because you'd done some stuff, but like you weren't even anywhere near what it was like for football condition. And I've got to imagine that's what it's going to be like for a guy like Kia being away for two full years, you know, from, from football. So I think it's going to take some time to kind of get reacclimated. You hope that he's been able to do some stuff. I think short-term expectations have got to be pretty low and hopefully at the very least he can provide some depth and, you know, maybe start, you know, pushing for some time within the next year or two. So I, I, I think it's, it's like Notre Dame has had a handful of these guys over the years, but not a whole lot. So I'll be really curious to see what, you know, what he does turn into here as he kind of progresses through the program as he gets back in. So Mike Bray posted a picture of himself with Micah Shrewsbury together before last night's Notre Dame-Georgia Tech game in Atlanta. Bray, of course, is an NBA assistant with the Atlanta Hawks. And Bray said, Irish and ATL program is in such great hands with Coach Shrews. What do you think of this Mike Bray move that he made, Jess? I think it's a classy move. There's no reason for Mike Bray to post something like that. Um, and again, it's not like his relationship with Notre Dame was bitter or ended sour. But again, they, once you are done at a university, you don't owe that in university anything anymore, right? Like you move on, they move on, etc. I just think it's a really classy move. And it's also, to me, it's reassuring, right? Because he doesn't have to say those things. He doesn't have Right. Put that out to the social media world. He doesn't have to put it out to anyone, but he deliberately made a choice to put a picture out there with the, his, you know, successor and say the program is in great hands. And so coming from Mike Bray, and again, I know things didn't end well in terms of, you know, basketball win loss and, 
you know, everyone, it, Mike Bray's time was kind of overdue at the end, but he's still a really good basketball coach. He's still a really good, you know, teacher of the game. That's why he's got a job in the NBA still, right? That he's very well respected. He's a great guy. And so when he goes out and says something like that, it just reassures me about what Shrewsbury is doing with this program already. No, exactly. And, you know, like people have, like Bray didn't have to do this. You know, he didn't have to, you know, he could have just said, well, I'm busy and, you know, I'm doing my NBA thing. I don't have time to go down and do that. But he even showed up wearing an Irish shirt, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, like that's, that's just Mike Bray, you know? So again, he didn't have to do it, but it is really cool that he did do it. And then he, he put it out there, you know, on social media. And it's, it's, it's good, because, you know, because I know, you know, like between Digger and Bray, there was um, both McLeod and, um, uh, Doherty, Doherty, sorry, uh, Matt Doherty for his one. You know, so there were like a couple guys in between, but like Digger Phelps was always very supportive of Mike Bray, you know, yes. when Mike Bray was the head coach, you know. So it's it's good to see that kind of connection that you've still, you know, Mike Bray still being so relative, you know, with, with it being recent, you know, with, with him leaving the program that he is this supportive and, and in there for Micah Shrewsbury and showing both Shrewsbury and the program, that kind of support. Yeah, to me, it just feels like it really weathers the storm for a lot of doubt that I think people might still have currently. Right. For a lot of people, maybe you would have need a little bit more time to pass yeah. you know, to do something like that. But but Bray's in there right away. So fill in the blank. Shrewsbury's men beating Georgia Tech in overtime last night means blank. Uh, they are continuing along the correct projection, right? Like they are, I, I just think they're continuing. It, like it's just so refreshing to see how they have played ever since Shrewsbury called everyone out. And I know I keep coming back to this, but it's significant and you're seeing the results of it. And so, you know, it, 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 it's very easy for a coach just to kind of go along with the motions, knowing that he is not in a good spot in his first year in terms of roster having the right guys he wants, but he's not, he, he's not making excuses. He's putting his foot down and saying, Hey, we need to play better. We're going to play better. And ever since then they've been doing that. And so, you know, they're back to me on, they're on that right projection of they're not going to look like crap. They're not going to beat everyone, but they're also not going to lose to everyone. And they're going to be, you know, able to compete in the ACC. And I think that is a, 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 the perfect amount to ask for if you're a Notre Dame fan in this first season. Yeah. And that's, like I said at the time, I don't think that beating Virginia meant that they had turned a magical corner. But at the same time, when you were floundering the way they were floundering, and it, and it's not necessarily a horrible thing that they were floundering, just because of all the you know the the things that that Shrewsbury was up against, putting the roster together, and everything else that he had to do with the inexperience that this team had coming into the season, but. When you were having those kind of issues, then he, you know, called everybody out the way he did to be able to win that game against Virginia. I think like even if even if you still expect this season to be a bit of a roller coaster, like they're not going to go out and, you know, win those kind of games night in and night out. But psychologically, that tells the guys in those uniforms that if you do things the way we want you to do things, we can get these kind of wins. And so for that to happen, it, 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 you know, put in the back of their heads that they can do it. And it, it, they 
have looked like a different team since then. And uh, I mean, last night wasn't perfect, but the fact that you can go on the road and beat a team of at least equal caliber on the road and pick up a conference win like that. And I loved like seeing on social media, you know, what happened afterwards. It's like celebrate the wins. You know, there are people who, you know, have that attitude, you know, like act like you've been there before and all that kind of stuff. But I think that that you also have to celebrate the wins when you get the opportunity, have fun with it. And I think that, uh, I think it's great for the program. It shows that, that, you know, it, I just saw what Joe said right here. And this is kind of what I was, you know, shows that the coach has a team moving in the right direction and that lack of effort will not be accepted. And effort, as we've seen these last few games will go a long way. You know, effort and attitude pointed in the right direction. Yeah, and I think that game, you know, in which he called everyone out, I think that's that was their bottom out point of the year. I think that's going to be the worst. That's that was their worst. That was the lowest of the low in their season. I don't think you're going to see anything worse than that the rest of the season, right? And I don't. I'm not saying that this is how it's going to end. You know, there's still a whole season to go. But if you told me at this point right now the men would have more conference wins than the women, I'd tell you that you're crazy, and it's the case right now. And, again, I know it's not going to end like that, but if you told someone on paper, you know, beginning of the season, and we stopped on January 10th, and you said the men would have more conference wins than the women, no one would believe you. But they've grinded out some of these conference wins. That's what they're going to continue to do, I think. Yeah. For the women, it's just a matter of getting everybody healthy. Yeah, and getting time. everyone synced yeah. up. You know, when when people yeah. are time when there's time off like that, and you introduce such a big, you know, a star-studded player back into the lineup, everyone's got to adjust. You got to figure out what those rotations look like, what those minutes look like, how your game can complement their game, and their game can complement everyone else's game. It's just going to take a, t- a little bit to get refreshed and you know synced back up. I think. Yeah, I, and I, you know, like again, like it's a couple months away from tournament time still, but like with 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 the men. To be able to, you know, do what they're doing right now, just it's like, just get hot right if, before the turn. If they can keep doing it, you know, even if you're plucking away a little bit under 500 in the ACC going into the conference tournament, like you've got to feel like, hey, we can win any game that we go out there, and that's the kind of stuff that Shrewsbury's teams did at Penn State, you know, in his in his two years there at Penn State, and he said it before, you know, the only goal is get better as the season goes on yeah. and then you feel like you can do you, anything. You got that opportunity time. at the end, right? Yeah. Yep. And that's so that's why they a, overachieved come tournament time when he was at Penn State. And I think that's a big thing to look forward to is it you want to be that team if you're Notre Dame, you know, the, the team that's not at the top but that team that's in the middle of the pack that everyone looks at and says, "Man, I really don't want to play that team because if we don't show up, they're going to give their heart, I mean, they're going to play with effort, they're going to play with hustle." And if we don't play our game, they can knock us off. You know, that's the kind of team right. that they are going to be in this tournament. Is if if you don't perform or if you have an off night, Notre Dame has the opportunity to beat you. Well, and that's why I like that there's so much more focus and emphasis on the defensive side of the ball because you know, like, uh, you know, that Duke game as an example, they didn't beat Duke, but defense kept them in that game. Till the end, they didn't quite have the horses to Same pull it Louisville, off, right? Yeah, but you, I mean, like you keep playing like that, and then you add a few guys over the next year or so, and it's all going to pay off in the long run. You know, this is still a long game for Shrewsbury, and I think it's going to pay off in the long run. But it's it's 
I think it's good that we can find, you know, that we're starting to see some tangible signs of that, that it's not all just going to be despair because they've got this young inexperienced team. You know, they're, they're going to compete with some teams. And I think that's kind of fun to see as we get to see this play out in front of our eyes here. Fill in the blank. It's blank that Pete Carroll is out after 14 years as the Seattle Seahawks head coach. It's shocking. And I think I saw something today in the entirety of the Seahawks franchise that made the playoffs 10 times. Pete Carroll made the playoffs 10 times as well. Like everyone up to Pete Carroll made the playoffs 10 times. Pete Carroll himself made the playoffs 10 times. And again, this, this is another one of uh, maybe comparable to Jim Harbaugh. You know, you could say what you want about Pete Carroll here and there, wonky guy, but great coach, wins everywhere he goes, right? And to me, I think the, the real thing that we learned about Pete Carroll is when Russell Wilson left, he still took a Geno Smith-led team to the playoffs. He still competed and had, you know, good teams with Geno Smith. And so to me, that shows it's not the players, it's the coach. The coach can win with just about anyone. Oh, Joe, I know Vince would be right there with you. Joe says, sweet justice, still despise him from his criminal USC days. Uh, the other side of that, K-Mag says, tough to see him go. Press conference was rough. I haven't seen the press conference yet. But, uh, yeah, you know, I thought I was shocked when the Pete Carroll news came out. And then Nick Saban <laughs> said, hold my beer. You know, I was so. say. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, this is just the fourth time in 14 years Pete Carroll has been in Seattle that they didn't make the playoffs. That You know, the most successful coach in the history of the franchise, won national championships in college and won a Super Bowl. One of three coaches to win championships at both levels. Jimmy Johnson, Barry Switzer, Pete Carroll. The only three to win a college football national championship and win a Super Bowl. You know what two of those guys got in common, right? It's the team that we're not supposed to say. You know, is that like... And then we get people stirred up if we say the name. You know. Jim Harbaugh, by the way, Bobby Ross, the only other coaches to win a college national championship and even get to a Super Bowl. So mm. they're in pretty select company themselves. But I was shocked. I was shocked. I just found out today, by the way, don't know why I didn't know this before. Pete Carroll, 1977, was a graduate assistant for Lou Holtz at arkansas didn't know that i did not like i said i just found that out today <laughs> felt like that was kind of amazing so now uh we had these questions in here earlier tyler evans thanks for the super chat who's ready for nfl playoffs and do <laughs> we believe thank you Cowboys tyler we have year? to answer this question because you paid us five dollars that's right cannot avoid it my confidence level if i'm going one to ten in the cowboys is a six is where mine is at. How much um, higher is yours? Because you are you are obviously <laughs> you're always far more optimistic than I am. Um, them being the two seed definitely bumped me up to about. I would say my ceiling is an eight, but I, I would say I I would land comfortably around a seven right now. Um, Here's what I'll say. I am. Reading, I had a feeling yours was going to be right around that. I will feel very confident if the Rams and Buccaneers can win this weekend. Because if that happens, Cowboys don't have to play the Lions. Um, and, and that means that they would host Tampa Bay 
and the 49ers would get the Rams. So if you can play the Packers and Buccaneers in back-to-back rounds at home, I feel very confident about that. It's I start to get uneasy when we start talking about going to San Francisco again. That's where yeah, um, things get a little bit uneasy. But I, I was think- still, you know, I, w- I was, I'm not going to write off the Packers by any means because there's a lot of history there. But like I was, I was sweating a little bit. The, ch- the you know the the like if they would have had to play the Rams, the Rams in the first, in the first round, round yeah, that was I didn't not a want matchup that. I wanted to see. No. Didn't want that at one, because Sean McVay is ahead of Mike McCarthy in terms of coaching. Yes. And I think that's going to be if they flounder in the playoffs, it's going to be a, because of penalties or clock management or overall just coaching issues. But the real thing I'm concerned about right now is Dan Quinn leaving for Seattle. So, but that's a yeah, that's discussion. like going back to that Pete Carroll thing. I think that that is a very real thing. Legion of Boom and all that. Like I think that's very real. Stephen A. Smith though says that. This Cowboys team has the best chance to reach the Super Bowl since 1995. I agree with that. that. I buy that. I think, yeah, I 100% buy that. I think this is Dak is playing his best football. CeeDee Lamb is playing his best football. Those two are the best wide receiver and quarterback tandem in the NFL right now. I think they have a defense that can get it done. And so you combine having a top five defense and a top five offense and your quarterback playing with the most confidence that he's ever had, I do think that this is their best shot. And just, I just, uh, this is overall a down year for the NFL, in my opinion. I don't think there's super huge juggernauts quite like any, and you don't have elite quarterbacks out there ready to take you down. This, thank you, Michael. This was about to roll off (laughs) my tongue. Damn you, Patrick Creighton. 2007 was supposed to be it. They had the number one overall seed, 13 and three. And then here comes Eli and the Giants rolling into uh, Texas Stadium. And, yeah, Patrick Creighton, thanks for dropping that wide-open pass. Patrick Creighton changed the whole – But it was all Tony Romo. Don't 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 get it twisted. Right, it it's always Tony Romo's Romo. fault. That's right. That's exactly right. DK says if the Cowboys were a character on Seinfeld, why would they be Newman? <laughs> I think that they're uh, Kramer, if anyone. Just so sporadic. You, you sporadic, don't know what's yeah. coming. You know, week to week, there that you just you think you know what you're getting, and then here comes crazy Kramer coming through the door, and it's a completely different, you know, off-topic crazy situation that they got going on. I think so as well. Uh, Mike Huff, going back to uh, Marcus Freeman and the recruiting, needs to get Keon Keeley, the uh, the decommit who ended up at Alabama. I, I think that that's you know it's a big opportunity potentially get Keon back up here. At Notre Dame, let's see what happens. I don't know. I don't know. All right. Well, on a day of all kinds of crazy, oh, oh, you're you're killing me, sloppy Joe, with the Quincy <laughs> Carter. Oh my gosh. See, and this is this is why people don't appreciate Tony Romo enough because if you watch the Cowboys in the Quincy Carter, you know, Quincy Carter years even the drew bledsoe you know like there were so many bad quarterbacks that came after troy aikman before tony romo it's it's like that's why you have to appreciate more than tony romo gets appreciated that's right poor drew bledsoe gave way to both tom brady and tony romo (laughs) tough career right oh man i tell you what all right well that's going to do it for tonight appreciate all the questions Today we'll be off tomorrow because I've got a uh, a Notre Dame 
uh, women's basketball game. So I'll be doing that. They're hosting Boston College tomorrow. So no show for us tomorrow night, but we will be back Friday at five o'clock with the rapid fire show. So we will do that. And, uh, you know, I saw somebody say, Hey, maybe we need to throw some uh, mailbag in there. Bring, you know, we'll make it, we'll, we, you know, we'll, we'll make it slash a mailbag on the rapid fire show on Friday. We can do that for you. Always. See you, Tommy. Everybody be careful out there. If you're driving, whatever you happen to do, I know the weather's supposed to keep getting worse over the next uh, day or two. So, Subscribe, rate, review, hit the like button before you leave, and we will talk to you Friday on Ivy Nation Sports Talk. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.